Welcome to Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond. Today, I'm talking with Brandy Whalen, who facilitates meaningful conversations as the co-founder of Kitcaster, which is a growing and successful podcast booking agency. Check out the episode to hear Brandy's insights around storytelling, empathy, and getting called out by her teenager for not really listening. I hope you enjoy. Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Scott. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Yes, I am looking forward to this as well, especially with your your very interesting background and how relevant it is to what we are doing today. So maybe to kick us off, just tell me a little bit about yourself, your career journey, and what you're working on today. Sure, you got it. So my career journey, I, I feel like, you know, it, it takes a while to kind of connect the thread. Like, what's this common thread that I've that I've had throughout my career, because I've done a lot of different things. I was in sales, I went to school for mapping geographic information systems, and then I did PR, which got me closer to what I'm doing today, which is running a podcast booking agency, which is similar to the public relations world, except we're only dealing with podcasts. So all of our clients are looking to be interviewed on podcasts. And that's what we, we help facilitate great conversations, which is pretty incredible. Absolutely. And I will admit up until a couple of months ago, when I got received a message from someone on your team, I had no idea that a specific (laughs) podcast agent exists, but it makes complete sense if you think about who your customer base is and what this medium is to really focus in on on doing that. So as you think about what what is the thread really that connected all those and brought you from point A to point B? Yeah. So with all of that, it was it was storytelling and communication, really. Um, Storytelling primarily. I think that everything is we're as humans we're connected to stories i think stories are so powerful and it does not matter what you're doing you know when i was in a sales role it was creating this story this narrative around you know what it meant to work with our company when i was doing mapping it was creating a story but through through maps like pulling it people in through data and mapping and creating a story and a narrative around that. And in PR that again, like building stories for companies and just getting that, that really that deep connection with, with clients and potential clients, which has carried through in Kitcaster with what we're doing today. And, and even more so, I think that podcasting lends itself to this incredible opportunity to dig deep into the human story. And a lot of times people don't even know that they have a story. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to watch that all come together. And after they get done with their, with their podcast interview, they're like, Oh my gosh, I actually didn't know that I had that cool story and a hidden, hidden deep down. Absolutely. And I love that the common thread is storytelling because stories are just so powerful can have such a big impact really on whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a sale that you're trying to make, motivating your team, or really as a parent using it to teach lessons. Uh, you know, with my kids, storytelling can make such a big impact and definitely within the podcasting world comes into play quite a bit, very important tool. 
And you know, I would imagine with your experience, as you mentioned, sales, PR, you know, the, the GIS stuff, and now with, with Kitcaster, understanding that storytelling and, and communication skills are so important to success, especially now, I think, with, with the podcasting stuff. So when you hear the, the term communication skills, or more specifically, that this person is a great communicator, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean? Yeah, I think it means a lot of different things because I think communication is not only the way that you are communicating with other folks, but also how you're how you're communicating with yourself and how you're tuning into nonverbal communication. So I think it it really encompasses a lot of different forms of quote unquote communication. So I feel like that you know, as we're, because we're growing as a company and, and reading resumes, I'm sure that you've had this experience as well. And everyone always highlights that they have excellent communication skills, um, which is very broad. I mean, that, sure. I, and, and we're in this, this age where a lot of our communication is taking place over email, which can oftentimes be misconstrued or misinterpreted. So mm-hmm. I think that plays into our, our kind of modern work culture, the importance of, of having um, compassion and empathy in your communication skills. And how do you, how do you make that happen in written form in an email? That's a really, that's a really tricky piece. Have you found the same thing with, when you're, as you're growing your team and just things that you look for and bringing folks on? Definitely with communication skills. And if you dig into the writing and the email is it's such a big part of everybody's work day today. And I'm not going to try and make up the statistic. I know I've seen statistics around it with regard to how many hours per day people spend on email. But to your point, when you're sending something in written form, so much can be lost in translation. You could be making a comment in jest or thinking you're being you know, funny or quirky with it. And somebody can take it the wrong way and think that you're upset with them or that maybe they find offense in it. So communication in general, it's important to be very clear with, with your intent to think about your audience. And before any message is conveyed, whether you're speaking it, writing it is to understand the audience and how they may perceive it and their reaction and try to tailor and adjust. So yes, we work with our clients a lot on a wide variety of communication skills the writing skills becoming more and more prevalent because of, as you mentioned, so much communication is happening through email today. And I think also, if we think about how we were taught to write in school, yeah. essay format, very long, very verbose, multiple paragraphs, and you know that's bleeding over into the work world where sometimes I get an email and I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I'm scrolling on my phone, my thumb hurts from scrolling so much and I just give up. I don't, honestly, I won't read the entire thing. So it's understanding how to be clear, how to be concise with those communications so that you can achieve the desired result, whether it's to inform or persuade, whatever it may be, really thinking about those communications. And a lot of times what I'll do, and I encourage my team is if you're working on an email and you think it's a little too long, send it to yourself first. Mm-hmm. How does it look in your reading pane? How does it look on your phone? If you're doing a lot of scrolling, you need to cut it down and refocus the message. A hundred percent. And it's interesting, Scott, because we've got all these different forms of communicating and they each require 
a separate technique, really. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed too, because there's that fine line between ha like the the novel email, and then I call it the text message email, <laughs> which is maybe three words. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes can go the opposite direction where maybe it sends off some alarms that you're like, oh, this person's unhappy. They're very short where, you know, maybe they're just treating it as a quick, a quick message. They're busy. They just, they're trying to respond as quick as they can. And it, you know, it's, it's, there's this, this midpoint that's acceptable. Yeah, it is. It's about being aware for the different mediums as to what is considered the, the norm, so to speak, and what's okay. And you know, sometimes we see the text messaging language bleeding over into corporate emails, which you know, can cause a lot of issues, especially if those messages are going out to clients or into the public, which you may not want to have. Uh, they're not quite as polished, not quite as formal, and then vice versa. And I know I'm guilty of this when I text message. It's it's muscle memory. I, I double tap the space bar. And so all of my texts always have a period at the end of them. And I could just be saying, thanks. And there's a period in there. Like, he's kind of short with me. Is he, is he upset about something? So it is, yes. it is. It's about having that awareness around what, what are the kind of the, the socially accepted norms with the different communication channel that you're using. Yeah. And then to be on the receiving end of communication, you know, in our, what we do at Kitcaster, we're emailing podcast hosts all the time and trying to to facilitate a conversation, we're selling a conversation, a really great one. Um, and, you know, sometimes it, the communication you receive, I think, you know, it can really, it can affect you, uh, you know, just being the recipient of however, however your communication style is, and then how we interpret it on the other side. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage our team to anytime that they get some, an email that maybe just hits them in the wrong place, like just walk away from it, let it sit there. It doesn't need anything right now. Get yourself in a better place so that that's not affecting you. Cause that, that communication can, can ruin somebody's day and, mm -hmm. and really sink your productivity too. Often a good suggestion not to respond to something in the spur of the moment when you're, when you're upset, the emotions are running high, whatever it may be, somebody may have just rubbed you the wrong way with their message, or maybe it was truly offensive or mean as to what they communicated back. But that's a great point. Step away, let it, let it sit. Sometimes it doesn't even garner or it's not worth a response. Yep. We're simply thinking about how do I respond to this in the best way. And then also to learn from it. Okay. I received this message. Maybe it was intentional or not, but it did rub me the wrong way. So I need to learn from that communication, understand, okay, am I doing that to, to other people? And I will say your folks have been great when the communications I've received from them, uh, hence the, the conversation we're having. And I've had some of your clients on uh, the show and have them scheduled upcoming. So no, it's been uh, kudos to your team. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I appreciate yeah. that. So you know, if you think about through throughout, you know, kind of your experience, business leader, entrepreneur, uh, in the podcast space around the skills that are mission critical today. You've, you've hit on a couple of things around storytelling and just broad communication, but what would you think if you had to say, here are the two or three big things that from your perspective you're seeing are, are most critical when it comes to people and their communication skills today? Yeah, well, I think especially in this this current environment that we are in, which is slowly getting to be more in person and we're able to to gather and maybe come back to an office space but 
I feel like the the last two years has disrupted the way that we'll probably continue to work forever. Mm-hmm. And so given that a lot of our communication is, you know, it has already been heavy email based, but I think just, I think the two big things that are important for anyone in a, in a communication, well, communication is a part of everyone's role, but just having, I mentioned this before, but empathy and compassion, because, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, struggling, Mm -hmm. you know, they're at home, they've gone through maybe a rough patch. There's just, you know, people are stressed and just having some empathy and compassion around communication, I think is the, the biggest, biggest key thing to the key takeaway right now in this, this current environment. Uh, absolutely. I think I saw something recently. It was Microsoft CEO in essence saying empathy and caring is the new currency. It that is. It's just so important to, to lead with those skills, especially if you're, you're a people leader with, with your team within the organization, understanding where everyone is coming from. And I had an interesting conversation with somebody a few weeks ago, just talking about the, these concepts of empathy and compassion and respecting people's, you know, integrity and dignity. And so, for example, there's a big controversy around, you know, if you're working remotely, you need to be on camera, you need to be on camera, you need to be on camera. To an extent, I understand the importance of of having those connections. But if you're leading with empathy, you're leading with kindness and caring, maybe it is understanding that, you know, this person is, you know, working like crazy. They've been doing e-learning with their kids for quite some time. They have laundry piled up behind them. They didn't have a home office. They're sitting on their bed, you know, in their room. They don't want people to see that. So I think it is really stepping back and understanding that not everyone has a nice, you know, home setup and was prepared to work from home for an extended period of time. They don't have that space. And maybe they don't have that comfort level of opening up that aspect of their life to their colleagues. So, no, I agree. Having this, this empathy and caring is just so important. Yeah. And I think that we've seen, you know, with the great resignation and, and people really going inside themselves and determining what's important to them. And it's, it's to be treated well. And I think that we've seen that we've seen that push. And I'm hoping that more people continue to respond in in that way of, of recognizing that we can't continue to to push people to the edge and have all these high expectations. And also when people are working from home, it's really hard to create boundaries. It's, you know, your home, when does your day start and when does it end? And I feel like even five years ago, we had this expectation that, you know, you have email, you have your phone, you should be able to respond like that. And it doesn't matter what time it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I am seeing that kind of come full circle. And I don't know if you've seen this too, but I feel like people have really boundaried themselves and their communication where it's like, okay, I work from nine to five. These are the hours that I'm going to be communicating. And it's acceptable to not get a response right back from someone knowing that it's going to might take them some time. It's maybe it's 7 PM and they're, mm-hmm. they're offline. So I think it's, it's a really, I think it's a really cool thing to see in our in our business world of how we're we're caring about people and caring about having a container to to work within 
Yeah, and I've even seen there's been other countries where I believe they've banned it, where you're legally not allowed to reach out to employees after work hours. And you know, for me, I think a lot of it stems from not necessarily employees not wanting to do it or not wanting to communicate or being lazy or anything like that. From my experience, what I've found, especially when I worked for larger organizations, was that oftentimes the, the demands for things late at night, after hours, they weren't necessary. They were all yeah. things that could have waited until the next morning or till when, when I was available, whatever it may be. So you get these requests simply because somebody else wanted it on their timetable, or maybe they thought it was an urgent priority where you needed to interrupt dinner or to miss this kid's event, whatever it may be. But 99% of the time, it wasn't that urgent. So I think people are reacting to that and hopefully what we'll see is leaders start to recognize that as, okay, what truly is important? What needs response now versus things that ultimately can wait and to create you know, the appropriate balance, blend, whatever you want to call it between work at home, which I agree has gotten even more challenging working from home for people who historically haven't worked from home. I've, I've been doing this for over a decade, so it's been nothing new for me. But for folks that haven't had that, that didn't necessarily have a laptop, a work laptop at home, weren't, they maybe didn't have a company issued cell phone or phone now have all those things provided to them. It's been an interesting adjustment. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really what you, what you mentioned, Scott, about the priorities and it may be top of mind for you, but is it really something that needs to be done right now? I think that that's something else for leadership to be mindful of is you know, I, I know that some people work in the evening or they'll send an email when it's top of mind, which mm -hmm. could be at 8 p.m., but just putting yourself in the recipient's shoes and maybe you're not expecting them to take care of it at 8 p.m., but perhaps they open up their email before they go to bed and then they see this this note that's like, hey, where is this project? Where are we, where are we at with this? And then it's hard for them, like their mind starts spinning. Mm -hmm and and hard for them to unwind and then fall asleep and you just have to be mindful of what you're putting out there and how and at what time and and the urgency around it and how it's being received definitely and, and there are you know great tools within outlook that you can schedule emails to go out at later times so you're not dealing with if, if you want to get it off your plate top of mind you can either boom put it in schedule to go out at 8 a.m put it into your draft so you can schedule it the next morning or if you have to get it out, you simply put, hey, no need to respond now. Wait, this can wait until tomorrow morning, whatever, wait until you get back from vacation, whatever it may be. There's lots of options out there, but it, that if you are mindful of other people's reaction scenarios, you know, what they're going through, you can definitely make communication a lot better. Yeah, 100% agree. So if, if you think about your career and your journey getting to the point of, you know, leading a successful growing organization, if you had to maybe pinpoint it down for yourself, one of your communication skills has really served you well throughout your career, what would you say that would be? Hmm. I mean, honestly, I think listening <laughs> has probably been the greatest communication skill that I have found to be most effective for me. You know, whether I have three children, so whether it be at home with my kids, with my personal relationships within an organization, 
You know, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago and one of the questions was, do you listen or do you wait to talk? And I thought that that was really interesting because there are moments that, yes, of course, I'm waiting to talk, but I always want to just be listening. I think you can, there's so much to be had in, in that, in that art of communication. So listening is a, a critical skill and it is something that I do believe a lot of people are lacking. So if I were to, to say, you know, people that are waiting to talk or really listening, I would say probably more people skew to that wait, just waiting to talk, waiting to response, can't wait for you to shut your mouth so they can jump in and tell you what they think. Just like with, with most things, it's a skill, it can be practiced, it can be learned. What are some things that you do to ensure that you're able to be an effective listener? Well, I, I think that a lot of times, and I've seen this happen, but we're always doing multiple things. I do not believe in multitasking. Mm -hmm. If I am on a meeting, I'm on a meeting. <laughs> and I'm listening and we've all seen it. We're on Zoom calls. We can tell when somebody's side typing or looking at their phone or doing something else, they're not present. So I shut down all my distractions. And sometimes I just sit, like after somebody's done talking, I just sit there. I think we have this, this knee-jerk reaction to want to fill space all the time. But if you just sit there and yes, it might be uncomfortable for a couple seconds, but it's also beautiful. And, and often you get to that kind of next layer when you just sit there for a moment in uncomfortable silence and then let that person continue to flush out some thoughts and ideas. I love that. I, 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 I talk about that quite frequently, the power of the pause. The pause is great when, when you're a presenter to use pausing, but when you're on the receiving end and listening, just pausing and giving a few seconds of silence makes a huge impact in, in a number of areas. One that you hit on that a lot of people don't think about is sometimes if someone finishes a thought and you just pause for a couple of seconds, they may continue on. And yeah. they could either be working things out if you're in a client meeting or a sales meeting, Sometimes they may just continue on and give you additional valuable information. So it is great to let people continue to talk because oftentimes people will stop because they know that the other person is just waiting. They can, you're almost like inching forward, jumping out of your seat because you're so excited to say something, but you're showing the restraint, taking a couple seconds to pause. Then it also allows your brain simply to process what you've heard and then come up with an appropriate thoughtful response to what the person just said. And then the signal that it sends, you know, when, when you stop talking and I just sit there for a couple of seconds, it shows, it signals that I was listening. I wasn't just swirling in my brain, what I'm going to say next. And that really helps to build trust and take relationships to the next level. When somebody knows that you really are listening. So great tips on, on using the pause. And as you mentioned, create an environment for listening. It's hard to listen when, and it would be challenging, right? If we're having this conversation and I just see email after email after email popping up in the bottom of my screen, or if there's text messages, my phone's vibrates, my phone shut off, my email is completely shut down. My communicator is set to do not disturb. My office door is closed. Everyone at home knows 
that I'm in an important meeting. So please don't come to the door. Don't ask things. There's just all these little things that you can do that create the environment for listening and then skills, as you mentioned, just practice giving it a couple of seconds when somebody speaks before you respond. And it will be uncomfortable, especially at first. I was doing a, a podcast a couple of days ago where when I was, I was a guest on somebody's podcast and when they would ask a question, I, I would have that pause and they would, did you get that? Did you hear me? You know, they, they weren't used to people waiting and processing to the point where they thought maybe they weren't clear or I didn't understand or I didn't hear them. So it is, it's, it's uncomfortable at first, but when you get into the habit of doing it, it is a great tool and it's memorable. And I've talked about this a lot on this show is I've had a leader before and especially on the phone, it was really somewhat, I don't want to say awkward, but you really notice it on the phone when you don't have the visual cues where you would say something and he would take a two to three second pause and then respond. That always stuck with me about him. It's one of the key things I remember about him was that I always felt that when I was talking with him, I was important and that he was valuing what I said, he may not have agreed with it, but he valued that I, what I was bringing to the table and took the time to listen and process it. And I do think too, that sometimes not every convert when you're listening, sometimes it doesn't require a response. You know, I think again, we're so programmed to have like, you know, especially when somebody's talking to you about an issue that they're having and they're just, they're talking to you. Your job is to listen. They didn't necessarily ask for your opinion, but we can't wait to tell it. <laughs> so unless, you know, unless they ask specifically, like, what do you think? Try not to give it. <laughs> Just listen, because that's really all most people want is to be heard. And for them to process what's at, whatever is happening Oftentimes they just need to say it out loud. When you really are listening, you'll be able to pick up on those cues. You could tell whether it's from the tone of their voice, their word choice. If you're you know, with them or on video, the body language, a lot of times you can tell if somebody is looking for a discussion, if they're looking for feedback, if, if they are honestly just looking to vent. Sometimes people just need to get it out. And in those scenarios, the worst thing you can do is immediately come back and provide your, your thoughts or your, your opinions on it. If that's not really what they were looking for. So listening just plays such a big part in all aspects of communication. So who, who has been somebody that has influenced your communication style and what did you take from them? Well, I am constantly watching how people communicate and, uh, and a lot of times looking at the things that I maybe would make some adjustments to. So not only just the things that I really appreciate in folks' communication style, but also things that maybe I'm like, ooh, like I maybe would tweak that a bit. But, you know, in in my life, I really love um, Thich Nhat Hanh. And I think just the art of communication is one of the best books that you could possibly read. And it goes back to this idea of just, you know, just being aware and conscious of your communication style, um, you know, just kind of being in the moment and and being 
being really careful of misinterpretations, you know, back, back to the idea of storytelling, we as humans are creating stories and narratives in our head all day, every day. So if we, you know, maybe we have a conversation with someone and we, we keep turning it over and, and trying to, you know, make it something that maybe it really wasn't. So really just kind of stripping that back and, and just making sure that when you're communicating that you're also in the right mindset and that your, you know, your thought process, if you need to take a step away, maybe take some breaths and then reassess what's happening. So I would say that that, that has been the biggest influence for me. Self-awareness is something that doesn't come up a lot uh, in, in my conversations, you know, people often talk about, you know, the, the various skills, the things that you can do, but if you think about ways to improve anything that you're doing, but, you know, specific, specifically towards communication skills, self-awareness is likely one of the key factors to making progress. And there's a lot of things that you can do to be, to gain more self-awareness around your communication skills, whether it is simply recording conversations to learn from it, video recording yourself, presenting so you can identify certain things that, that you do that could be distracting or pulling away from your message. And I, I remember the first couple of times that I saw myself on tape uh, presenting or prior to my sales career, I was a teacher. So one of the exercises that we did during our student teaching was we had to have, uh, we had to videotape ourselves delivering a lesson. And I remember as I watched it back, I thought that I looked like uh, dating myself here, but the old game Pong, the ball <laughs> bounced. I paced back and, back forth, and forth the entire time in front of class. And I just like, gosh, how distracting that must have been for, for the students just watching me going back and forth the entire time. And then when I later on, I believe when I first came to Communispond, you know, watching recording myself present, I identified that I had what I called T-Rex arms where my, you know, my elbows were locked here that I just, I gestured like this and it not as powerful and not as engaging to use different types of gestures, bigger gestures, gestures that match what you're trying to say. So yeah, that self-awareness is huge for anything. If you're trying to, to grow and improve, I love it. Yeah. And that's something, you know, talking about self-awareness, but also back to the piece of watching how people are interacting and kind of taking taking cues and one thing that i think we're all guilty of because we have our apple we have our smart watches we have our phones and let's say we're having coffee with a friend and how often have you been in a coffee shop with a friend and all of a sudden they're like staring at their watch or they're looking at their phone and it always makes me really i don't i just I get anxious because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, they must need to be somewhere else or is, are you good? Right. Um, so I know what that feels like being with someone who doesn't seem to be engaged or, but I think it's just habit, right? Like we're just creatures of habit and we're constantly being pinged. So we're looking at everything that's, that's pinging us. So something that I have been doing, cause I'm guilty of it. I certainly have done that. And I have to have some self-awareness and reflection. Like, have I done that before? Oh yeah, I absolutely have. So I take my watch off and I put all my stuff in a bag and I don't even allow myself to, when I'm in those situations, especially 
what a rarity to be in a coffee shop with a friend or out to dinner with with friends but like be there be present nothing is there's very few emergencies I absolutely agree. Going back to what we talked about earlier with this idea of, oh, I need this now, I need this at 8 p.m., very few emergencies. You know, what I do for a living is not life and death. So if there is a 30-minute or an hour delay on something, chances are things are going to be okay. And I will say, you know, one of the reasons that I enjoy uh, Communicast and doing these podcasts so much is because for a half hour, 45 minutes, I am just locked into a conversation. Like I said, phone is off, email's off. I'm not getting any outside distractions where, so where I can just focus on the conversation. And I intentionally don't book things on my calendar right after these because I don't want to be thinking about, oh my gosh, I have to hurry up and wrap this up and get into this next meeting and prep. And what. so I, I try to keep some, some white space on my calendar after these so I can really focus, be relaxed, be present and I've talked about this a number of times, you know, when, when I'm with my kids, you know, after work, a lot of times I still have email, whatever coming in, or maybe I'm catching up on social media, but if they want to come down and they want to tell me about the day, or, you know, my daughter's showing me a TikTok or something, if I have my phone in my hand, I, I close it, lock it, put it down, kind of turn to her and just lock in. And I've noticed since I've been doing that, just the reaction that I get from them is so much better. They realize, okay, I, I have dad's attention. Dad wants to hear this. He's interested in and what I'm doing. And while it may seem like something small, those things build up over time so that when they need to come to you with something important, knowing that I was locked into them for something as maybe as trivial as looking at a video on their phone, if they have something important that they need to tell me or come to me, they know that I'm going to be there, that I'm going to listen, I'm going to hear and value what they have to say. Yeah. And don't you think too, you're creating good habits in them. Like they're going to model what you're yes. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually got called out by my 14 uh, year old once for, he was, he's so thoughtful. We, we were just, he's like, you know, sometimes it feels like you're listening to me, but you're not listening to me. And he was right. I mean, I, like I'm constantly, you know, making dinner, trying to listen, checking my phone, doing all these things and not just being present. And they know, they sense it, they feel it, they see it. And it's just such a short amount of time, like in the, in the grand scheme of life, like just be there. Be present. It is so important. It'll make a, a great difference. And as you mentioned, you're modeling those behaviors for, for when, when they grow up, right. And they're adults and they're having these relationships. So, so critical. Love it. So I want, to, I want to be respectful of time. Uh, yeah. you know, what closing thoughts would you have for you know, an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe somebody looking to start a podcast, whatever it may be, kind of closing thoughts around communication skills and you know, the important role that they can play in success? Yeah, well, the communication skills are the number one most important thing that you can have in any career. And my my biggest piece of advice is to think about it every morning when you wake up, think about how you're going to move through the day, the various, maybe you have stacked meetings, maybe you have an hour to send email communication, but think about how you're going to show up to each, each one of those times throughout your day, throughout your life, and always be improving 
reflecting on how you handled a conversation, how you handled an email communication, ask for feedback from people that are really close to you and really take it and try to make improvements. It is one thing that I think we can all continue to fine tune and work on and be open to changing and fine tuning and sponge it all in. That is fantastic because I will say communication truly is the foundation of everything that we do all day, every day. But to your point, I think very few people give it much thought because it's just something that we naturally do. But if you take that time, step back, think about each opportunity that you have to communicate with somebody, how can I improve? How can I maybe make this a little bit better? What could I have done differently? That's how you will grow and you will see those investments that you make in your communication skills return dividends all throughout your career. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Thank well, you, Scott. Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you have a great day. Likewise. A special thanks again to my guest, Brandy Whalen. I think Brandy really nailed it when she said that communication skills are the number one most important thing you can have in any career. Spot on advice. If you're thinking about your career and how to make progress, focus in on those communication skills. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.